Hello and welcome to the first Tillage Edge for 2022 with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. It's not easy to avoid the theme of climate change and sustainability, whether it's from the radio, the TV, print or digital media. It's front and centre now, and perhaps it should have been for the last 30 years. Many would argue if it was taken seriously then, perhaps we would be in a better place today. But what strikes me is that many people are confused about the figures and predictions, and all too often the problem seems too big or too global for an individual to contribute in a meaningful way. It probably comes back to an old saying, how do you eat an elephant? Well, it's one piece at a time. Similarly, it can be difficult to see what actions an individual farmer can make, but small practice changes and measuring these changes to prove the changes work is extremely important. Chagas, along with his partners across the industry, have set up a network of farms under the banner of the signpost farms, to demonstrate how these farms can become more sustainable and have less of an impact on the environment around them. We spoke to Tom Tierney from Kildare a few weeks ago, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Will Stokes, a tillage farmer in Tipperary, and his Chagas advisor, Connor Kavanagh. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome to the podcast. Will, can I first come to you? Can you maybe give us an outline of the farm structure in terms of owned and leased land and the major crops you're growing on your farm? So we're farming roughly um, 100 hectares on our owned local block and then depending on the year it varies from year to year but roughly around 50 um, hectares would be leased or rented uh, mostly due to potatoes in the rotation and getting that rotation far enough out um, where, where we'd like it you know um, most uh, our rotation that we uh, try and maintain on the the block at home is a, a six-year rotation which Let's say if we start with potatoes, wheat, then winter barley, and then we into another break crop. So peas or beans, and then wheat and barley again, and try and continue with that rotation. Now that changes. Sometimes, you know, you have to uh, adapt as situations change, but that, that's, that's what we aim for. And that, that's what, what we'd like to do on the farm, you know. So in terms of your, you have a nice kind of rotation there. Um... And your potatoes, I presume, would would, would go out on, onto various different rented land. So in the, in your home plot, you have, uh, I suppose, a good bit of um, you know the winter more winter cereals, I suppose, in that. In terms of your soil type, then underpinning that, um, what sort of soil type do, do you have, and what way would you describe the fertility on your farm? So we're we're uh, brown earth soil here, so um, it's it's a good, uh, I suppose loam to clay loam. Um, fertility is, is fairly good. We've been concentrating the last couple of years um, in, in bringing up our indexes all into threes and uh, some of them, some of the, the potash has moved into fours. That's we, We've kind of achieved that through the use of organic fertilizers, mostly um, importation of pig slurry. And if we can get uh, dung from local dairy farms and that, we spread that where possible, but it's a real, um, trying to care for the soil really and improve it where possible um, and trying to, you know, concentrating as well on the peas and K's, but also try and um, get the soil structure as good as we can. So, um, yeah, look, we, 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 we try our best and uh, hopefully we'll, we see the improvements uh, from year to year, which is, which is definite and, and where we see the improvements with the... Um, the organic matters is uh, along the, the headlands and entrances and patches that would have been bare in other years are, are definitely 
you know, due to compaction, definitely growing good quality crops uh, now. So, so um, we definitely see the benefit of, of adding organic manure. And, and Will, can you manage to get that organic manure every year? And I suppose within the same question, given that this year is different in terms of the, uh, the, the cost of fertilizer, are, are you finding it any harder to get it this year? Um, the, the year gone past, I, I would say no, but uh, uh, we haven't had any issues getting it. We get it from the same same piggery, the same source. We have a working relationship there. Um, and the uh, the organic manure, the, or sorry, the, um, the dung then comes from uh, a couple of dairy farmers in, in the locality that kind of, you know, um, it, how will I say little, little and often? I suppose is the best way to put it. We don't have one major large source from 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 them. But um, that being said, you know uh, the point be to to make there is that up until now there hasn't been an issue. It's been fairly um, easy to get it. But I'd say this year going forward there might be might be that little bit harder, and uh, there might be a lot more competition for the same. For the same product so we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes and hopefully we, we won't come up against any, any issues we'd like to maintain the level of organic manure that we're putting in we'd like to maintain that going forward you know and obviously farmyard manure is very good in terms of that do you, do you operate any sort of a a straw for farmyard manure type swap or what way does that type system work um no i would say no uh, it is you know that's something we'd, we'd love to do it's just the practicalities uh, of, of the farm at the moment uh, where we we have um a long-standing uh how will i say relationship with the people that buy the straw from us most of them are kind of relations and cousins and that kind of way but they're not necessarily within uh they're outside the distance that you you would kind of say is okay to um import the dung from just just the, the the cost of the haulage would make it uneconomical to do it but uh the haulage of the dung that is obviously that the straw is a, a different matter going the other way but um you know I'm, I'm 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 sure they they use it themselves but look that's something we we would like to do um at a future date if 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 we had more straw and could get people more local that we could work something through that you know okay and just to round off your system then will you're in a predominantly plow based system at the moment or are you have you got anything else within the system yeah so um i suppose the, ultimately where i would like to go is get to you know strip till and direct drilling is is i suppose the the uh, I'd say the utopia, but <laughs> where people aim to to achieve. So um, at the moment we're predominantly plow based, and obviously for the potatoes we'll we'll always have the the plow in that scenario. But um, the Aiden drill, it's we've been it's a ten acre field. We've been doing it for about four years now, um, and and definitely see the the improvement in the soil structure, um, its resilience to to flooding it's holding up you know um in wet conditions it's um and even the worm population we i had a um a leaving search student in who who was uh doing uh, worm counts for, for me there um for his own project but it was interesting to see how the population in that field of worms was uh nearly six times as much as uh, um, a neighboring field which was on the plow base system you know Okay, and, and we, do you think you'll do more of that Clayton type system? Um, yes. Well, how will I how will I put it? Uh, I'm not sure whether the Clayton our soils seem to be a little bit 
sticky, I won't say sticky. Uh, with the Clayton system, it seems that the drier the soil, the better. Um, I've, I've land that's away from me that is a, a much kind of, I'd say a lighter, drier soil. And it seems to work a lot better there. It's 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 kind of more free flowing through the machine, and it's it it, it works out kind of a, a lot fresher. So um, on our home farm here, I don't think that the Clayton is is the way I I'll go at the moment. Um, I'd say in the in the meantime, I, I'll just at home I'll go with um, a strip drill. So I also have um, a disc, a tulip disc with legs on it. Um, and this year we, we trialed um, planting straight into that. So we dissed with the legs down to maybe four or five inches and went in with the one pass and the Suffolk cultures. And at the time I was a bit dubious of how it would work. I, I felt there was um, a lot of trash catching in the cultures and um, seed was, was quite shallow. But in fairness, the establishment has been very good. I was very surprised. Um, I'm very ha happy with it, but that being said, we, we would probably change maybe to a, a disc drill where, you know, I can control a little bit better the, the seed uh, depth uh, in, in a trashy situation where the disc will get down that bit better. So that's that's the, the step we'll make now and, and we'll see how we progress with that. I won't, wouldn't definitely not rule out the Clayton. I think it's very good. A very good system and a very good drill and I was very impressed with it but I, I I think my soils might be a couple of years away before or getting to that situation you know and I think as everybody says well it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a learning curve I think when you when you start to go away from the plow uh, as, as the plow is just so flexible Connor could I come across to you maybe just for a second um Connor you're farming uh, obviously well as a tillage advisor um but you're also farming a lot of other farmers across Tipperary how similar do you think Will is to other farmers in his area in terms of the practices that he that he's doing? Yeah, well, Mike, look, I suppose in some some instances, Will will be quite similar to farmers in terms of a similar soil type than a lot of South to Prairie. Um, also would, would operate with a, a similar sowing date and, and seeding rates to farmers across the county. But um, I suppose what, what kind of really stands out on, on, on Will's farm is basically he's a very good rotation in place. Which you, which you went through already, and that's that's given given benefits in terms of um, increased yield and improving soil structure on the farm. And uh, I suppose he's also placing um, a high focus on on look, looking after the soil on the farm. So uh, there is a lot of farms in the county that are that are that are kind of moving. I suppose I suppose they're trying new things. They're trying they're they're trying some minimum tillage on the farm. They're trying different methods of getting crops into the ground and growing. So um, look, it's it's a very interesting time. Uh, to in to be in with uh with farmers trying trying new things and 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 kind of moving away from the slightly moving away from the plow based system but there is still definitely a place for the for the plow on, on all farms okay and connor you've been working well for a, a good while now um and in terms of you're familiar enough with the practices and and what i suppose practically is going on the ground on will's farm from your point of view is there is there a number of areas where you think will should be partic particularly proud of in terms of what he's doing and maybe on the other side of the, of, of the coin, is there a, a couple of areas where I suppose maybe to put it delicately that that perhaps could, uh, you know, maybe be improved a little bit or or deserve maybe a little bit more attention? Yeah, well, I suppose one thing about Will I found is he places um, a very high focus on, on crop agronomy and looking at getting um, accurate timings of fungicides and, um, and, and, and herbicides and aphicides on, on, on the crops and getting them on at the correct timing and the correct growth rate uh, that the plant is at and when it needs to go on. 
Um, I suppose he's very he's very good to to monitor the site and look after the site on the farm and also um any any areas that are down close to water courses um I've had um Claire Mooney who was who's the ASAP advisor out on the farm and she was very impressed with the what I suppose the the, the buffer zone and, and and any any margins on the water there there is there is margins left on from every field that that he is looking after um I suppose the water quality on, around around the farm and in the in the environment. Um, I suppose in terms of things that, that could be improved, um, I suppose look as 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 Will said himself, um, soil samples there that he is he is um he is important um organic manures he's using organic northern farms I suppose um he got the the whole farm has been GPS sampled in the last two years and I suppose just working more on targeting the organic manures on say the lower index fields the fields that are kind of index indexed one and two for, for K if there is ones on the farm and target organic north to, to, to them fields would be, um it's something that he, he's definitely looking at going forward after GPS sampling the whole farm. And Will, can I come back to you then just in terms of that GPS side of the house? You've done that obviously to get a better handle on, on what's in the farm, but are you are you, are you in a position to utilise um, variable spreading or is that the direction you're going to go? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was the... One of the, the motivations initially to get the farm uh, GPS soil samples was to obviously see where where um, P's and K's are needed and to uh, directly ad- address those issues with the the, the variable rate. But uh, I think coming into the, the year that we have ahead of us with the, the cost of fertilizer, it's really reinforced my decision uh, that GPS soil sampling is, is the way forward, you know. I know it's the cost of sampling might uh, increase maybe three or four fold, but it's that's only pittance compared to the cost of of, of the savings uh, in relation to the cost of savings and what you'll save from having the the soil samples. I see, you know, instead of blank blanket spreading, uh, I'll be saving tons of fertilizer um, by by um, direct peas and k's, you know. And people actually often comment well in terms of that soil sampling or the, the, the GPS soil sampling or, or, or doing it more accurately or do more of them, I suppose. What they actually comment on probably more so is the, um, the pH and the ranges of pHs on the farm and the potentials for saving and getting that more accurately completed. Did you find that on samples that you have? Yeah, well, I was quite surprised actually the samples uh, last year that um, I kind of, how will I say, well, my previous set of samples, I was liming off from that. And I'd usually in the rotation kind of have, you know, after potatoes, I'd usually go in with uh, the lime the following year or the, the autumn after the potatoes, just just as a kind of a top up. But I've kind of, uh, from the GPS sampling, I uh, all of a sudden my ranges had, had shot up to high, high sixes. Uh, well, I won't say obviously all of a sudden, but um, it just kind of gave me a, a better overview that, you know, certain fields could range from six to 6.8 and 6.9. Now, if you're throwing lime on, on something that's 6.8 and all of a sudden you're into uh, a seven, you're, you're, you're going to start locking up on the other side, which is quite unusual, but for us anyway, d- definitely down here, but it, it certainly opened my eyes and it, it was a great indicator and a uh, great, inf- like, it's like any information, once you, once you have the information, your decisions are are way better, like, you know, that's that's the way I look at it, you know. Speaking of decisions, just coming back to your rotation a bit, and, and you mentioned that you have um, uh, probably a, a lot of winter cereals in that. Is it a conscious decision to stick to winter cereals more than spring cereals? Um, 
Yeah, in fairness, now um, as as part of the rotation, you know the the spring crops, the peas and the beans and the potatoes. I put in cover crops, um, and with that, my thought process also having having winter crops in is that the the ground and the soil is covered over the the winter period. You know, that's just I suppose from a, a soil improvement side. But then financially, obviously, the margins are better on on winter crops than at the end of the day for me anyway at the end of the day that that that's ultimately i'm running a business and i want to uh improve my profits where possible you know i think that's very important is right um in terms of winter wheat that's in it's in there certainly i suppose down your part of the world and maybe a little bit further south um the amount of winter wheat that's been sown over the years has dwindled uh and i suppose because people are finding that a little bit more difficult to control disease how are you finding winter wheat is it still stacking up reasonably well for you or do you see any other alternatives on the horizon yeah, well, looks uh, so far after the loss of um, Bravo. Um, so far, we're not too bad, but we are definitely looking at varieties that are resistant to um, Septoria, you know, and, and definitely um, focusing on those varieties and picking them out as a strategy. And so so far, so good in that we're able to, we've got, you know, good yields. We haven't seen yields dwindle yet, but I mean, we're only, what, you know, two, is it two years after Bravo, you know, um, and I think it will take another couple of years before we see the the disease levels increasing. Um, so look, it's like anything at the moment, wheat uh, is performing well for me um, and I'm going to go with it. But, you know, it's as I say, like anything in farming, it's you have to be adaptive, ad- adaptable. And as soon as you see something not working for you, you have to be prepared to, to cut it out and move on and find what works for you on the farm. But at the moment, wheat is working well. You know. Just to explore a little bit, um, well, as regards your, you, you choose um, peas or beans as, as another as another break crop. Yeah. Uh, did you ever consider oilseed rape or or uh, is that just a crop that doesn't fit terribly well for you? Yeah, no, um, it's, we're growing uh, peas on contract for bachelors and we have since the um, early 80s and that was always in the rotation and we get on well with them and we're happy with them. And um we just felt if we put oilseed rape in the rotation, um, we'd end up with a disease issue with sleratinia, build up in the soil um, with the potential in that. So we just, it's not, not something that we've introduced just on a disease level, but should anything happen in relation to the peas falling out of the rotation, then we'd obviously look look at that, you know. So um, then you, you mentioned before your organic manures and that end of it. In terms of the straw chopping scheme, did you consider that or have you used that in the year out or I know it's going to be there for the next probably six or seven years is it something that you will bring onto the farm do you think yeah so this year we did we we, we chopped uh maybe 15 acres um on on an outside block there kind of on, on lighter soils um actually we were we were direct drilling that with a claden as well um so but it was oat and straw so we, we chopped it this year and we we dissed it um uh I suppose uh, it's too early to say, you know, that I can quantify the the, the pros and the, the cons of it, you know, but uh, I think in general, chopping straw is only going to be good for for um, for the soil structure and for soils. Like ideally, what I'd love to be able to do is chop every headland I, I have on the farm um, and for that to be to be recognised, you know, financially in the scheme somewhere. But as it is, the setup of, of the the uh, scheme is is on a plot basis, so we 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 just work our way around that, like you know. But where possible, I would like to 
chop the straw on, on the headlands, especially headlands that do get does get a lot of traffic, um, and just to help with the, the soil structure and and compaction, you know. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Connor, can I come bring you back in here now for a second? Um, you've obviously been involved uh, with, with with Will for a while. Um, how would you describe uh, Will's system looking from the outside in? If like, is it a, a medium or a high put high input type system? And um, just thinking about that because Will is part of the St. Paul series, and as part of that, nitrogen is probably one of the biggest areas in terms of um, if we can reduce the um, nitrogen use or increase the efficiency, whichever. Uh, the overall um, uh, environmental environmental impact from a greenhouse gas point of view will decrease. How do you think that will is using fertilizers, nitrogen, especially on the farm? And is there any flexibility around that? Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd probably consider to a, a medium to a medium to high input system, but um, it's really not the the volume; it's the efficiency that he's using it at. Um, he's getting it on at the correct growth stage when the plant actually needs it. Um, he's not putting out excess nitrogen early in the year when the plant is, doesn't require it. So it, it, it's, it's more efficient use of the fertilizer and, and Will is actually very, very, very good with that. Um, he wouldn't be going um, excessively uh, high with the levels of nitrogen on the crops, but, um, but it's getting on uh, at the correct growth stage, which I think is vitally important. Like. And then, Will, or Connor, from, a, from an environmental point of view uh, on Will's farm, I think you did mention a little bit about margins earlier on there. Are there other areas that you are happy with, or I suppose in the same regard, is there other areas that you think will can make a little bit of progress on? Um, no, as, look, as I said already, um, I think the the, the use of organic manures on the farm is, is, is definitely been seen on uh, from the from the crop years that will 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 is achieving, and um, and I suppose also um, also as I said, there is there is there is good good um good buffer zones around the farm. There's cover crops. Any there's no ground left 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 bare over the winter. All ground is is covered well in cover crops. And I suppose something that Will has said to me is he's getting the cover crops in that bit earlier, and he's seen the the density of the cover crops is 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 increasing. So he will be adding more uh, organic matter to the soil going forward. So I think I think um from an environmental point of view, I think the farm is is very well suited to be a signpost farm. And uh, Will, can I ask you that that question in a similar kind of way? Because you're you're obviously looking at it from as the farmer um, yourself. Is, is there, are there things that you have um, planned or on the horizon that you might change to improve the in, the environmental aspect of your farm? Yeah, um, I suppose we're we're part. Of, you know, the farm is kind of a, a will I say a, a legacy of. of uh, long-term or continuous tillage for a long time you know we have a few grass banks um and areas like that that I kind of look at and kind of go well I could put a hedgerow in there or I could put trees in there and that that's really what I'm kind of aiming for looking at that that every year I put in you know maybe 100 meters or 200 meters of hedgerow replacing what you know was there in in the past really I suppose um and trying to you know maximize maybe what carbon sequestering I can do on uh, on the, the field margins um as well you know so yeah look that, that that's in my mind's eye and, and it's it's I suppose it's not I don't have a formal structure to it it's just try and do it year on year get a bit bit done here and a bit done there and overall you know leave, I suppose leave the farm in a better situation than than I have it at the moment you know that's that's really what I'm looking at yeah and I suppose to, to, to me that that kind of you're very reflective of an awful lot of farmers tillage farmers that I know out there you, you, it's not something that that is um is is the the highest priority, but it's always there in the background. You're always tipping away at it and trying trying to make it that much that much better. So I think that's always very admirable in, in our industry. 
Well, can I just ask you the very final question uh, today? And and that's it. You know, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast and a few of them might get an opportunity to visit your farm in the future. What do you think um, are a couple of areas on your farm that you think other farmers may well be very interested in and probably can take something away from maybe to bring back to their own farms? I suppose the, the, the transition that I'm going through at the moment in relation to going from the plow-based system to to the non non inversion system and and you know hoping to to get to a point where where we're doing as little disturbance with the soil as possible like at the moment as i said i have a few years in with the claydon drill and seeing how the soil has improved so to compare that particular field with what's next door to it uh, on the the plow based system and kind of see uh, you know if we looked at the soil structured and structure and looked at what's different, what's the improvements. Like, you know, I won't, I, I wouldn't sugarcoat it uh, the first couple of years that I did it. My yields did were back and might be 10, 20%, that kind of way. Um, I would say 50% is the soil, 50% was decisions that I made that, you know, in, in the learning curve, that's that's what you do is you, you make make decisions right or wrong um, and hope that the decisions aren't too too far wrong, but you learn and you move on. And, and um, that's probably the, what I would, you know, like to contribute to people is my experience of what I've done so far and to help people, I suppose, bypass those, those wrong decisions maybe and make their own wrong decisions and, and move on from there, you know. Well, thank you very much for your time. And Connor, thanks for your time as well. I'm delighted that, that, that you could join us on, on the first podcast for, for 2022. So um, thanks very much, gentlemen. And hopefully we can chat to you again, maybe during, uh, during the year and maybe catch up with to see how your farm is going. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Michael. So that's it for the first Tillage Edge 2022. And my thanks to Will and Connor for joining me today. Also, a huge thanks to all the listeners who tuned in for 2021. And I hope you will continue listening for all of 2022. If you have a suggestion about a topic you would like to hear more about, please drop me a line on michael.hennessy at chagas.ie or through Twitter at chagascrops. So do get in touch. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.